Well, good afternoon. Uh, delighted to be with you again on this Monday. And uh, those were some very fascinating statistics we heard today uh, from Tom at the beginning. I want to invite you today to join me in Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. And uh, a very simple challenge to us today is to fix our thoughts on Jesus, is to consider Jesus. Before we look at Hebrews 3, let me just give you a little bit of background of the book of Hebrews. It could be summarized in four short statements. The author is writing to Jewish believers primarily and exhorting them not to drift, not to um, dally, not to uh, wane in their commitment to Jesus Christ. He's encouraging them to keep at it and to turn their eyes on Jesus, because Jesus is worth it. Jesus is portrayed in the book of Hebrews as superior in all things. He's so much better, so much more excellent, so much greater, so worth everything. And in Hebrews chapter 3, the first six verses are once again beckoning us to consider Jesus, to turn our eyes upon Jesus. And uh, there's a series of contrasts in the opening chapters of the book of Hebrews that Jesus is so much better than the prophets, so much better than Joshua, so much better than the Old Testament priesthood, so much better than anything you can imagine. He's superior in the opening chapters in his uh, person. He's superior in his priesthood in the middle chapters of the book, and he's superior for life in the final few chapters of the book. Because he is superior for life, he gives us hope to endure, faith to believe, and love to encourage others. If I were to ask you today to take the concept of an American Mount Rushmore, where there are four key presidents um, engraved on that mountain, we might say sculpted on that mountain, if we were to transfer that concept to the, to the uh, nation of Israel, to the land of Israel, we were to go to one of their famous mountains and sculpt four or five of their outstanding figures, um, I wonder who you might think would be on that mountainside. No doubt Abraham, uh, the father of the, the Hebrew nation, um, and uh, David, the great king, uh, perhaps even Solomon, under whose uh, leadership and realm the nation of Israel expanded more than they ever had previously. We might even, might even think of a, of a lady like Esther, who was used by God to be a great deliverer of the nation. But certainly, I think we would all agree that Moses would be on that mountain. Moses was the most revered figure in the history of Israel. Yet, the author of Hebrews says there is someone greater than Moses. And so he writes, wherefore, referring back to chapters 1 and 2, wherefore, holy brothers, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ, who is faithful to him that appointed him as also Moses was faithful in all of his house. For this man namely Jesus, was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. 
For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Let's pray. Lord, we ask right now that you would do for us what we are totally unable to do for ourselves. To speak and to listen, to hear and to understand, and to apply the truth of your word. So come to us as we pray. Close out every distracting influence and help us in these moments to forget about ourselves. Uh in terms of our own preoccupation, to turn our thoughts to you, the living God, and to the power of your word. We believe that when your word is read and explained, that your voice is heard. So we want to listen to your voice today through the scriptures as inspired by the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So the challenge for this moment is to fix our thoughts on Jesus. The author says, wherefore, holy brethren, wherefore, on the basis of what I've just said. And in chapter one, verses one through four, Jesus is portrayed as our creator, our sustainer, the heir of all things. He's shown to be the one who is the exact representation of the being of God and the radiance of God's glory. He purged our sins, and now he has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God on high. A sevenfold, incredible description of Jesus. So let's fix our thoughts on Jesus. As we pray in just a moment, we could turn our thoughts to chapter 2, verses 9 through the end of the chapter, where, again, the author points us to about five or six things about Jesus that we need to remember, even as we pray. Jesus, for example, is our substitute. He tasted death for everyone. He is our salvation author. He's the founder of our salvation, the author and finisher of our faith, Hebrews 12, 2. He's our sanctifier. He who sanctifies and the one who is sanctified are, the, are of one. Uh, chapter 2 and verse uh, 10 or 11 says he's our brother. He's not ashamed to call us his children. He's our Satan and death conqueror. He has defeated him who has the power of death, even the devil himself, and has delivered us who were in bondage or in, in bondage to the fear of death. He's set us free. He's our sympathizer. And so he's able to su succor those who are tempted in the final verses. To consider Jesus, to fix our thoughts on Jesus, means that we drop everything else that he becomes the primary focus of our attention. Uh, I passed a sign recently that said, focus on what matters. I listen to a podcast every once in a while that simply is entitled, Focus on This. It's not about Christianity, but that's a, that's a very important phrase. Focus on this. That's what the author is saying. And he addresses holy brothers and holy sisters, we could say. Believers who have a heavenly calling. What a wonderful term that is. Um, 
You know, the great wonder of what it means to be in the Lord Jesus Christ is not only that our sins are forgiven and our record is clear and the Holy Spirit comes in and takes up residence in our hearts, but it's also that we're given a new status, a new identity. We are brothers and sisters. Jesus saved us as individuals. He saves us uh, as a person, but he doesn't save us in isolation. He puts us into a wonderful family, and I'm thankful for my church family. I'm thankful for this family of believers that we uh, enjoy sweet fellowship with. Notice he calls Jesus, and he calls us. He urges us to consider Jesus, who is the apostle and the great high priest. Uh, As the word apostle, it only appears here in the book of Hebrews once, right here. I had the opportunity not too long ago to meet the ambassador of the United States in in the country of Liberia. And uh, an ambassador is one who is sent, and he speaks on the authority of the person who sent him. Jesus was sent by the Father, and he is the Father's chief spokesman, as we know throughout the Gospels. He's also our high priest, a term that's mentioned 12 times in the book of Hebrews, um, and is really unpacked in verse in chapters 4 and 5. So as we pray today, let's fix our thoughts on Jesus, the apostle, and our great high priest. He is compared to Moses, who, as I said, was highly revered because he was divinely chosen by God. He was their incomparable deliverer who you know, worked miracles and signs and wonders there through the 12 plagues and more, Israel's greatest prophet, the great lawgiver, the greatest historian probably Israel ever know, knew, and he was the most humble man. He's described in the scriptures as the meekest man on earth. Um, there was no one like Moses in the Old Testament, but Jesus is far better. So in the next few verses, the author urges us to consider Jesus. And as we pray today, we can consider Jesus in three ways. He's superior in his office. We've already looked at that. Um, He's the great high priest and apostle. He's great in his work. Moses was in the house. Moses was a leader in the house of Old Testament Israel, but Jesus is the builder of the house. And he's superior in in his person. So in his office, in his work, and in his person. Moses was a servant, but Jesus is the son Moses was faithful. Exodus 35 through 40 mentioned that Moses was faithful 40 times, 40 times. In the last chapter alone, Exodus 40, he's said to be faithful to God eight times. But Jesus is perfectly faithful in all that he is. And when Moses spoke, he was really pointing and testifying to that which was to come. Uh, Jesus said, if you believe Moses, you would believe me. And when Jesus unpacked the Old Testament, he unpacked the law and the prophets, Moses and the prophets, and he showed how all of those pointed to himself. So today, could we focus our prayers today and fix our thoughts and consider Jesus? What does that mean It means to give attention and, you know, continuous observation, to avoid distractions, not only to master the subject, so to speak, not only think about Jesus, but the significance of Jesus in our life. 
We're not to focus as we so often do on other people or on leaders. We, we, when we focus on our leaders, we become disappointed. We're going to get discouraged. We're going to get annoyed because the best of men are men at best. But he says, take dead aim, so to speak. Put all your thoughts on Jesus. Wake up in the morning and the very first thought be, Lord, help me to focus on you today. Help me with all of the myriad of responsibilities I have to fulfill today to remember Jesus. I'm going out into a world uh, and my spiritual equilibrium will be thrown off dramatically if I don't focus on Jesus today. Um, In the sports analogy, you're supposed to keep your eye on the ball. Focus on Jesus. And what does that require? You know, to focus on Jesus, it begins with a desire. I have one deep, supreme desire that I might be like Jesus. One thing I've desired, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the temple of the tabernacle of the Lord, in the house of the Lord, that I may behold the beauty of the Lord, Psalm 27. It requires a lot of concentration, a lot. Isaac Newton one time was asked, what made him so successful in all of his observations and scientific discoveries and whatnot? And he simply replied, I keep at it. I keep at it. Or we would say we press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Requires great discipline, great discipline. As we run the race that's set before us, as Hebrews 12 reminds us of. And we forget those things that are behind and we press on toward that which is ahead. Picture the runner in a world-class event running the 100-meter or the 200-meter dash. They don't look at their opponents. They don't look at the crowd. They don't look behind them. They look straight ahead toward the tape that they want to break first before anyone else does. So to fix our thoughts on Jesus, even during this hour, is going to require a deep Holy Spirit energized desire, great concentration, great discipline, and yes, time. 900 hours are represented on this prayer call. To to be like Jesus, to fix our thoughts on Jesus, means we have to take serious time to do so. And of course, we we all know that is really hard to do because we're drowning in distraction. Uh, We've talked a lot about that, even in recent days here on this call, how easily we're distracted. We focus on lesser stories, lesser important things sometimes. And we're so focused today in our age on what will work now. How can Jesus help me now today? But we really need to fix our thoughts on the character, the person, the work of Jesus. So my heart prayer today is that we may strive by God's enabling grace each day that we live. Brothers and sisters, called one day to heaven, let's fix our thoughts on Jesus, especially during this hour of prayer for revival. Amen.